Folks, good morning. Uh, it's been a number of weeks since I've been in with you. Uh, I've been next door in Barista, uh, helping out with the guys doing Christianity Explored. We had a little bit of a panic this morning. Um, the doors weren't open up to about quarter to 11, and so we were thinking urgently what we were going to do with Christianity Explored, but thankfully they came, and I'm sure they're having their coffee and scones and enjoying it much. I want to just take a moment or two to thank you on behalf of the team doing Christianity Explored. You've been a great encouragement to us as you've come to us after the service or during the week uh, to, to say you're praying for us and asking about how it's going. So far, we've had four great weeks. Uh, this week is week five, and next week will be the last week for us in there. And uh, we have a great bunch of people um, who are in doing the course, eager to learn, eager to hear what the message of Jesus is, can I ask you to keep praying? With two weeks left, keep praying uh, for these people who are coming uh, to take part, to learn about Jesus and to discover who he is. We have people from all different walks of life, different careers, different ages uh, in life as well, but each one hungry to know what it means uh, to follow Jesus and to be on a journey or to continue on a journey with him. And pray for our facilitators, uh, that as they are doing the nitty-gritty, as they're having the conversations, as they're really uh, building relationships, pray for them. Uh, Pray that they will keep going. A few of them have got quite a lot on over these next couple of weeks in the run-up to Christmas, as I'm sure we all do. But pray for them and pray for their energy levels that each Sunday morning that's left, or next Sunday anyway, um, they'll be able to be strong and ready for what uh, they have to do in the name of Jesus Christ. So that's just to give you a little bit about what's happening next door. But what is happening next door? What does that mean for us here? With people discovering and rediscovering Jesus, but not quite there yet in terms of saving faith, how do we as a community of Jesus Christ respond? And not just with Christianity Explored, but also with our upcoming community carol service and other gospel outreaches that we desire to do. How do we and how will we respond to people who are learning about Jesus coming in to this building to be with us, to be part of us, to learn more just as we are learning about what it means to follow Jesus? Let's take a step back for a moment. Let's not jump to that bit Uh, just too quickly. Because I want you to think of yourself for a moment. And I want you to think about how you came to be here today. How you came to be sitting where you are sitting. For many of you, you possibly came one Sunday morning. It was one Sunday out of many Sunday mornings where you had been going around different churches in the Ballyhackamore area to get a flavor of what they were like so that you could find one and settle in it and call it your home. And that's why you're here this morning. You came here one Sunday, you liked it, and you settled. Or maybe you've grown up in this congregation. Maybe you've lived all your life in this area, and this is the congregation that you come to because it is the one closest. It's the congregation that you've been coming to through years at Sunday school and growing up through it. For others, you started coming to our organizations and to our events, and you saw something and you wanted to come and learn more, and so you're here with us 
through what we've done in our organizations and events. I'm probably, maybe, the unique person in the room. I was sent. I had no choice. And so I'm here. But for me, the past four weeks of not being in here, don't get me wrong, being in Christianity Explored has been great for the conversations and the work that's going on. But I have missed not being here. And I know some of the other facilitators feel the same. In fact, all of them do. They miss being part of the family. They miss being in here because for all of us, there's something that keeps us coming. It's not just the people who are around us, although that plays a part. It's not just the fellowship and the events and the organizations, but we keep coming because we see a community of God. And in this community that God has been building here, we see Jesus. Well, that's how it is for me. I desire to be here because with my family, that is you in the pew, we worship together, we cry together, and we laugh together as together we see Jesus as we meet here. And this is the model that Jesus uses. He uses people, gatherings of people. He uses community. He attracts people to himself, not to programs or buildings, but to himself and to his people as they live for him. Let's take a minute and see how Jesus drew people to himself. And our passage in Luke chapter 5 tells us or gives us a little idea about how Jesus did this. In many of our Bibles, this story is called The Calling of Levi. And just to let you know that Levi, we will later know in the Gospel accounts as Matthew. In fact, Matthew's Gospel calls it the calling of Matthew. But here in Luke, we have it as the calling of Levi. So Jesus in chapter 6 has been doing miracles. Immediately before he goes out and he calls Levi from his tax booth, he has healed the paralytic. Jesus was teaching in a house. The crowd was so big that they couldn't bring this man on his bed into the house. So they climbed up to the top They knocked a hole through the roof and they lowered him down. Jesus healed the man and he went away walking with his mat rolled up and under his arm. And we pick up the story in verse 27. After this, Jesus went out and saw a tax collector by the name of Levi. Levi, a tax collector, as despised then as they are now, He was the lowest of the low. He had sold everything that was his Jewishness to be the little runaround for the Roman government, collecting money from his fellow Jews so that it goes straight to Rome and to the authorities there. He was a traitor, a turncoat. He was a guy people didn't associate with. But yet Jesus walks out, sees him, and says these three wonderful statements, Come, follow me. Come, follow me. And what did Levi do? He got up, he left everything, and he followed. That was it. Jesus drew people to himself. He had drawn a crowd in the house, and now he was drawing Levi, this despised of the despised, to himself to be a disciple. And what does Levi do? He takes Jesus home and he throws a party. 
He wants to celebrate this new hope, this new life that he has in Jesus Christ, and he wants to introduce Jesus to his friends. And so the party is held, the guests are invited, they include tax collectors and sinners, as we read the Pharisees and the teachers of the law telling us who they are. For Levi, this was the most natural thing. Gather his friends around and show them Jesus. Tell them about Jesus. And for Jesus, this was the most natural gathering for him. This showed who Jesus was identifying himself with. In the ancient Near East culture, who you would dine with said a lot about who you were, the class that you belonged to. And here was Jesus associating himself with tax collectors and sinners. And in Luke 15, he does exactly the same. These are the people Jesus came to. And these Pharisees and teachers are outside the party. They're not in. They weren't invited for one, but secondly, they wouldn't have wanted to go on anyway because there was a contamination issue with them. If they associated with people who were sinful, there was a belief that they would be contaminated with their sin and therefore they would have to go through a purification process. So they kept themselves removed from the people that Jesus was associating himself with. And they see Jesus as a drunkard, a glutton, and a friend of sinners. And in Matthew, Jesus tells us that that's who he came to be. Because Jesus firmly states what his mission was. He says, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Jesus came into the world for sinners, the people who no one else wanted to associate with. He came to be their savior. He was the one who went to where no one else would go. So this is the model of ministry that Jesus gives us. The people who he spends time with, the people who he calls. So where does this leave us? Where do we go from here? What is the example of Jesus? This morning I want us to think of four things that we can learn from this and what Jesus has for us as we think about also working with people that aren't like us, people who we would call sinners, people whom Jesus loved. And the first one, Jesus associated himself with the people whom the religious classes ignored. People who were marginalized. They were marginalized because of their class, their job, their dress, and where they lived. Jesus went and met with people who needed his mercy and his grace. And the gospel message demands that we share it with everyone. We don't have the luxury of picking who we share the gospel with. If the message is for everyone, then the messenger must take it to everyone. It is not just to those whom we feel comfortable around because they dress like us, talk like us, and do similar jobs to us. We need to share the message with everyone. In preparing for this morning, I uh, came across a modern parable. There's a little movie clip that goes with it. Um, I wasn't brave enough to show it this morning, but I'll read it to you. The parable is called the Sea Parable. It's written in the Northern Irish context, so you can probably understand where it's coming from, but listen to what it says. 
on a dangerous sea coast where shipwrecks often occur, there was once a basic wee life-saving post. The building was just a glorified hut, and there was only one boat. But the handful of committed members kept a constant watch over the sea, and there was no thought for themselves. They went out day and night, tirelessly searching for the lost. Many lives were saved by this wonderful wee place so that it became famous. Some of those who were saved and various others in the surrounding area wanted to become associated with the station. The wee life-saving post grew. Some of the members of the life-saving post were unhappy that the building was so crude and poorly equipped. They felt that a more comfortable place should be provided as the first refuge of those saved from the sea. So they replaced the life-saving post with a larger building. Now it has become a popular gathering place for its members because they use it as a sort of club. Fewer members were now interested in going to sea on life-saving missions, so they hired lifeboat crews to do the work. About this time, a large ship was wrecked off the coast, and the hired crews brought in a load of wet, cold, and half-drowned people. The beautiful new club was in chaos, so the committee immediately had a separate shower house built outside the club where victims of shipwrecks in the future could be cleaned up before coming inside. At the next meeting, there was a split in the club membership. Most of the members wanted to stop the club's life-saving activities as being unpleasant and a hindrance to the normal social life of the club. They were finally voted down and told that if they wanted to save lives of all the various kinds of people who were shipwrecked on those waters, they could begin their own life-saving post down the coast. They did. As the years went by, the new life-saving post experienced the same changes that had occurred in the old. It evolved into a club, and yet another life-saving post was founded. History continued to repeat itself, And if you visit that seacoast today, you will find a number of exclusive clubs along the shore. Shipwrecks are frequent on those waters, but most of the people drown. Does it sound familiar? In the churchiosity of Northern Ireland, yes, we can... Remember our first, second, thirds, fourths, fifths, go backwards or wherever? The vision, the purpose of going out and saving lives was lost. And so a disgruntled people, rather than uniting in Jesus Christ, left and went somewhere else. Places of great reputation in their missional thinking and acting develop into comfortable clubs over time. I am not suggesting for a moment that Kirkpatrick Memorial has become a social club. I am certainly not suggesting that. But let me give you a heads up. Let me give you a little bit of warning that history has a way of repeating itself if we are not careful. I am ashamed to say that I am already slipping into a mentality where I don't like change. I don't like new ideas because it's not comfortable and it's not the way that I would do it. 
And already I am having to learn that I need to pull down these walls rather than allow them to build Because in the future, I do not want to be the hindrance to gospel work. I want to be the one who encourages and who runs with the vision of where God is leading us. I do not believe we are a social club, but I believe we always need to be careful that the walls do not go up that stops us from being real with the people around us. We all need to catch ourselves on We all need to stop and reassess what we're doing and why. Because we are called to save lives. Just as that parable has told us. And don't get me wrong, I'm not saying that we do the saving, and we'll come to think of that before we finish this morning. But we do what we can with the gifts and abilities that God has given us to go out into the waters, to be the lifeboat crew, so that people can be saved Secondly, the community of Jesus attracts people. Throughout our series of looking at gospel-centered church, we have come across community time and time and time again, and how it is community, uh, this concept that keeps people coming. What makes you feel comfortable? What makes you feel welcome and included? It's a sense of community. One thing happened to me this morning. Um, I've said to you before, I moved into this area at the start of July, and I was walking down what is a very slippy road this morning, and there was a lady walking down, and she openly admitted she was on her way to church, but she didn't know whether she would turn back because of the streets. So I felt, I'll do my good Christian service, and I offered her my arm. Now, she wasn't of the age where naturally she would have an arm extended in her direction, so she I think unwillingly took it, but knew that if she wanted to get to where she was going, she needed a little bit of assistance. If truth be told, at one time she was more holding me up than I was holding her, but that's another story. Community. This morning for me was one more of those little occasions when I realized that I am now living as part of a social community in this area of Ballyhackamore. In community, we do things for each other. Whether it means we're going to be five minutes late or ten minutes late, we do things for each other. The community of Jesus attracts people. Back in our passage in Luke, we see the celebration party that Levi has. He wants to celebrate with his friends, but he also wants to share Jesus. Now, we would, only have, we would be reading into the passage if we guessed what happened from that night. We don't know how many people were touched by Jesus in his message and just in coming into contact with his life. But what we do know in the following passages in Luke's gospel is that Jesus built a community around him and people kept coming. They kept coming because of his teaching. They kept coming because of his miracles and his healings. But they also kept coming because of who he was. He was the genuine person. People saw that in how he spoke and in how he lived. What he said reflected what he did. This is what attracted people to him. Jesus attracts people to himself, but his community also attracts people. So let's go back to where we started and are thinking about what brought us here. Are you here because it is comfortable? and it meets your checkbox? 
of what church can do for you? Or was Kirkpatrick Memorial a church that you had heard about and how it was growing and so the crowd attracted a crowd? Or are you here because you meet with Jesus, his people, and his gospel message? We're all different. Each and every one of us. Oh, on the exterior we may look as if we have a certain life that reflects each other's, but we are all different. When we get behind what we see, we are very much different. And church is supposed to be made up of different people from different backgrounds, but all united, all united in the love for Jesus Christ. And with people gathering together, it will bring a mess. Church is supposed to be messy. There's no such thing as a comfortable church. Many of the current authors describe church as messy because church must deal with the issues that this generation, as in this social generation, brings with it to church. We deal with messy people because God has dealt with me, a messy person. But this messiness, this ability to to take head on, what we deal with proves this community to be real and to be genuine. Because we don't hide behind a smoke screen that says, we are all sorted and we are all fine. Whenever we deal with our messiness of life, it proves that we are genuine people saved by grace and only by God's grace so that he can do his work in us and make us into his people. A minister in Scotland was once standing outside his church when a drunk walked past. Why don't you come in, he asked. I will, said the drunk, when I get my life sorted out. And the minister was quick-witted enough to question whether this was likely, but he was left with a more fundamental question. Whoever gave him the impression that church was for people who had got their lives sorted out? And the answer, of course, is that we have. We, when asked, how are you? I am fine, and how are you? And so we portray a fineness in life that really covers over what life is really like. Yes, there are times when life is sailing well for us, and we shouldn't feel guilty about those times but see them as a blessing from God, but there are times when life really kicks us down. This is the lives, or these are the lives we deal with, to be a genuine community a genuine family. We deal with the rough and we deal with the good as it comes because in our genuineness we show Jesus and the community of Jesus attracts people to our Lord and Savior. So the third thing, as a community grows, it also needs to be a community that is accessible. Jesus always made things clear. He never left anyone in doubt. They would never have to question Jesus. Oh, there was other questions that came to try and trick him and trap him. But Jesus worked in such a way that everyone could have access to him and access to his message. At the celebration party at Levi's house, Jesus was socializing with the tax collectors and sinners. He was there with them, talking and sharing with them. 
As we think of church, how accessible is church to those who come in for the first time or for those who have no experience of church? I would imagine that church looks like me walking into a bookmaker's. I wouldn't have the foggiest notion what to do. I wouldn't know where to go. I wouldn't know what to do. I wouldn't understand the language. I would look at screens around the, uh, the wall and wonder what they're all for and see different things. I would be a fish out of water. Everyone around me would be the ones in the know, the intelligent people who knew when to get up, when to sit down, when to hand over things, when not, when to write things down and when not. And then they all walk out. And I would be left wondering, did I win? Did I lose? What happens next? Church, from the perspective of someone who has no recognition of it at all, is like me and possibly like you walking into a bookmaker's to try and place a bet. Of course, I don't encourage that, by the way, just in case you think I'm saying it's okay. Can you imagine yourself doing that? I don't mean morally, ethically, but can you actually see yourself going in and knowing what to do? Because someone who comes into church for the first time, when to stand up, when to sit down, when to hand something over, when not, when to keep head up, when to keep head down, what's this prayer for, what's that prayer for, what's baptism, what's bread, what's wine, what's all this for? Question upon question upon question. How accessible do we make church? We need to be honest in church. We need to help each other. No matter who is sitting beside us, in front of us, or behind us, we need to help each other. If we desire people to come into our community, then we need to make the community and the things the community does less frightening and take away the shroud of mystery that sometimes covers what we do. So maybe I should start again and say good morning. My name is David McCullough. I'm the assistant minister here at Kirkpatrick Memorial. We hope you enjoy your time with us this morning. Please don't think that that was something just to trip off the tongue, but if you are visiting, I'm sorry that it has taken me until now to let you know who I am as you possibly sit there and question, who is this guy? If we want to be a community where everyone is included, we need to open up what we do to explain that right now we are learning from God so that we can be his disciples in this world. And finally, it is Jesus who does the calling and the saving. In everything we do as a community, in welcoming and including people in our family, that is our church family here, we need to keep the perspective that it is Jesus who does the calling and the saving. We cannot take any credit for it. We run with the vision that God gives us, but it is his vision and it is his work. And in one way, I'm delighted in fact, in every way I'm delighted because it takes the responsibility off me. It means all I can do is be God's person right here, right now, and it will be God who does the work. No action on my part. But what does it mean? Well, it means that we show and tell Jesus. We can't just sit back and say, well, if God's going to do it, he's going to do it. Jesus will bring to himself whoever he desires. 
No, we have our part to play. We were created for God, in God's workmanship for the tasks that he would have for us. So it means that we show and tell Jesus. It means we include people in our family life here. We help them along the way. And we live as ordinary people who are saved by God's grace. We must treat people as part of the church even before, in a sense, they really are not. It will get messy at times. It will. As we come across different issues that we will have to address and face. Church life is a lot easier if you only let respectable, sorted out people into the church in the first place. In the things that we do, other churches may raise their eyebrows. But drunkard, glutton, and friend of sinners, these should be the badges of honor for those and among those who follow Jesus Christ. Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. He included everyone and he welcomed everyone. I have challenged you from, here, uh, from up here before, who today in this building is someone you don't recognize or don't know. Can you be the welcome, as well as what our welcome teams do out front, which is a vital ministry that we do in welcoming people in? Can we individually take the responsibility to welcome each other? Can we help each other as we understand how we do church? What it really means, not just in the visual, but in the heart level. Can we be the people who show and tell Jesus Christ? Be an authentic community so that as people come in, they will see Jesus. They will see his people and they too will want to be his disciples. Let's pray.